Hi, this is Dr. James Gajewski. I am giving a presentation today on MACRA, which the initials of MACRA stands for the Medicare and Children's Health Insurance Reauthorization Act of 2015. Almost all healthcare providers in this country are participants in MACRA. MACRA has, is basically designed to foster value-based payment for healthcare. We all know that we have excessive healthcare spending in this country and it's, there is a desire by almost everybody to rein in the cost of healthcare. The hope with when MACRA was passed is that it um, would give tools to actually pay doctors for valued care. The problems and the assumptions of MACRA is that we already have the tools to do this claims data. And I will go over some of these major assumptions and things that practices need to focus on and work on to do their best in the MACRA programs. The two sides of MACRA that providers can participate. The first is called the Medical Incentive Payment System, also known as MIPS, or also it's sometimes referred to as the Quality Payment Program, QPP. This basically is measuring doctors on cost per episode of care and cost of care per Medicare beneficiary treated. And it's dividing doctors by specialty designation in the Medicare claims data. The second program that MIPS offers for doctors other than MIPS or the quality payment program is APM, standing for alternative payment model, which is basically a program that doctors will take risk for patient care. A prominent example of this being the oncology care model, which is being used as a demonstration project by CMS. From my perspective, both of these programs, the care delivery at its quality and its cost are going to be measured in claims. And in many ways, the lessons for how to best do both programs are going to require how doctors do their notes, how they are doing their coding. The good news since my prior lectures, and with the assumption that the 2020 proposed physician fee schedule is actually approved around Thanksgiving time 2019, is that evaluation and management services, um, the levels will be determined have it with an option of being solely determined by medical decision making. This will be good because this is where the documentation will be done. The reason that that MACRA is going to be coming important for, and the tools are the same for both MIPS and APM, is that both are highly dependent upon acuity adjustment to measure performance or know the population for which you are taking risk for. And the only definitions of those acuity will be diagnoses and things that show up in claims data. So MACRA has its first and foremost assumption that episodes of care um, will be defined by the tools of claims data. This includes the DRGs, diagnostic related groups, the APCs used for outpatient hospital treatment, which is ambulatory payment, the CPT codes, 
that define healthcare services, the diagnostic codes in ICD-10, and the MCC and HCC edits that are utilized by the Medicare Advantage programs for determinant of acuity adjustment, as well as the healthcare procedure coding and level two codes for certain durable medical equipment, drugs, orders, and things like this, period. As almost everybody on this audience is aware, all of these tools and coding systems were developed for other purposes, and we are going to be adapting them for a new purpose. And it's the assumption is that they have the granularity and reliability to be utilized for the new um, items being measured and paid for under MACRA. So first, one of the MACRA assumptions is that the triggers for episodes being measured will require a claim to be dropped. And that's going to be whether an episode is, you know, a simple hospitalization, a, a time period of chronic care. You can only measure chronic care um, once a claim is done. The other assumption is that everything in claims is accurate and services in claims are appropriately linked to the diagnosis for which they are being done. I think this is often a major assumption. Most of us who have actually worked with claims data for research and clinical outcomes have discovered claims data is often too inaccurate to meet peer-reviewed publication standards. The other problems is when we are putting diagnoses into claims, we are often looking at the simplest thing. I, as an acute leukemia stem cell transplant physician, will often for every outpatient clinic visit order 10 to 20 laboratory tests. Given the way the electronic healthcare record works, when there's a diagnosis attached to all of these diagnostic testing, it is usually simply the cancer diagnosis, like acute myeloid leukemia. That is true even if I'm checking a glucose because somebody has a comorbidity of diabetes or they have kidney disease secondary to hypertension or other causes. So one of the issues as we move forward in MACRA, practices are going to have to pay more care or more attention to the specific diagnoses for testing that they are ordering. Um, that you cannot simply use one diagnosis for all tests. And this will increase greatly the detail of work. The other problem with this is so often many of us want to offload some of that diagnostic work to nurses or medical assistants helping our practice or sometimes even coders. The problem is none of those healthcare personnel have the detailed medical knowledge that is almost always just with a physician and sometimes with an advanced practice professional for the different diagnoses. And then for inpatient, there's um, DRG groups for the whole hospitalization, but individual testing and orders do not have a diagnosis associated with them in claims data. The other major assumption by CMS and all healthcare payment organizations is the diagnostic groupers like DRGs represent homogeneity of patient population and that variation in cost and resource consumption 
are due primarily, if not solely, to provider behavior and practice rather than legitimate patient needs. The problem is we often don't have in claims data all the acuity adjusters, such as when I'm treating acute leukemia, there's often a, a great difference in ordering and toxicity with how high the white count in. A patient with a white count of 150,000 blast is a lot more higher acuity when I give induction chemotherapy than a patient with a white count of 10,000. I have to monitor labs more frequently for tumor lysis syndrome. Are these acuity adjusters in there? They're not for everybody. The other problem we're hamstrung with electronic healthcare records is there are clinician-friendly diagnoses that pop up on all of the provider screens when ordering tests or listing patient problem lists or past medical history. These clinician-friendly diagnoses are not accurate ICD-10 coding. One of the discoveries that I made through looking at various institutional electronic healthcare records, which were all the same brand of electronic healthcare records, is, for example, in one of my systems, when I abbreviated for acute myelogenous leukemia, AML, or spelled it out, that add-on software mapped it either to AML in remission or AML in relapse. They have very different costs, but the user-friendly diagnosis didn't distinguish that. Other places, though, this plays a greater role was for things like steroid-induced diabetes. For me, as a provider who often has to give high-dose steroids either for treatment of cancer, prevention of hyperemesis from chemotherapy, or for other complications of therapy, Steroids induce diabetes that is refractory to oral hypoglycemic agents as well as insulin. My intention when I put in a diagnosis of steroid-induced diabetes that what I'm creating is a diabetes that doesn't respond to therapy. The problem is this add-on software in some systems maps this diagnosis to adverse drug reaction steroids which is technically true in one sense, but it does not convey the diagnosis that I was originally trying to do, which was diabetes. The other issue is how diabetes is measured, often by renal complications, cardiac complications, neuro complications. But does ICD-10 coding really give us a good description for patients whose diabetes just doesn't respond to therapy? Not particularly that therapy is caused by a drug. Not really. Essential for all these measurements of cost or even prediction of how, what kind of risk you are inheriting with a population, we need not only detailed major diagnoses of all the patients, you know, things like their cancer diagnosis, they have diabetes, COPD, coronary artery disease, but we also need acuity modifiers. Most of us have not always put those acuity modifiers in. For example, for chronic obstructive pulmonary disease or asthma, the most severe cases are patients who retain 
carbon dioxide or CO2 retainers. They have an altered acid-base map with a, a respiratory acidosis. These sort of detailed acuity adjusting diagnoses need to get into claims so that we really understand the risk that the doc, uh, patients, the doctors are treating and their acuity because starting in 2020, P CMS will be publishing our cost per beneficiary by, by physician, by specialty, as well as our outcomes for costs for individual episodes of care. Getting all these acuity adjusters will be important. What's also an assumption by MACRA is the outcomes for one disease are not impacted by therapy for other diseases. We all know this is a problem. We know this is a problem. Again, when I'm treating cancer, I may be creating diabetes, again, using a steroid model. And so my use of steroids to treat cancer will make the diabetes out of control and problematic. MACRA did not come up with good methodologies for dealing with treatment for one disease exacerbating the other disease. The other great assumption about the MCC and HCC cost edits and acuity adjusters is that therefore the interaction of just two diseases, so COPD and coronary artery disease. But they never looked at when you have COPD, coronary artery disease, diabetes, chronic liver disease, renal disease, and mental health disorders. No system has ever acute adjusted for three, four, five, six organ systems in dysfunction. And yet for the elderly patients, that is often the most common. We've learned of late, particularly with all the chimeric antigen receptor T-cell therapy data, the problems of new therapy and how to deal with that in these cost measures. These are a problem. I will also say that private payers and employers of a physician make the same assumptions about care that the Center for Medicaid and Medicare Services, CMS, does. What concerns me perhaps the most is actually the employers of physicians. Many of us live in states where 50 to 70% of physicians are now in employed positions. We all know of physicians now being fired or terminated because their satisfaction surveys are low. They may have low satisfaction surveys because they're giving tough news about cancer therapy or dealing with severe problems like opioid addiction, and the patients are upset because those problems are being dealt with. Physicians are being terminated due to poor satisfaction surveys. Well, when we have costs per episode of care or cost per beneficiary data published, I worry a lot about how employers of physicians will view that physicians and will they continue to keep those physicians who are coming out as being more expensive employed, even if they're, being, they're employed because they're taking care of high acuity patients. I am not convinced we're going to measure effectively or fairly all the acuity adjustments in this data. Another assumption by CMS and commercial payers is that all providers within a single specialty the same services. An interesting example for this would be emergency room physicians. CMS and healthcare payment organizations assume ER physicians just work in the ER. 
I live in a state with a large rural population and a lot of very small 10, 20, and 30-bed hospitals. Frequently, our ER physicians not only serve in the ER, but they also serve as the hospitalists for these physicians, so they have multiple roles. The other issues in certain large specialties, some physicians are focusing their practice. So in rheumatology practices, we have a few physicians who focus on end-stage scleroderma or end-stage juvenile rheumatoid arthritis. But none of our coding systems pick up any of these acuity differences. In cancer care, we now have physicians who focus their practice just on treating breast cancer, colon cancer, or acute leukemia and stem cell transplantation. Well, cost per beneficiary for doctors whose practices focus on acute leukemia or stem cell transplantation is far different than a physician whose practice focuses on breast cancer who's just giving oral hormonal therapy. So I think there'll be a lot of assumptions and difficulties going forward with MACRA and practices need to be aware. I think the teaching lessons I really want to get through though to practices is that we are going to need comprehensive granular diagnostic data showing up in claims. This means getting all the patient's comorbidities onto the claims and getting all the relevant acuity adjusting diagnoses like, as I previously said, COG retention or acid-base disorder for a disease like COPD. This will be essential for us to try to get doctors close to being measured effectively. We also need to get in all those health disorders that keep patients from being fully compliant with therapy because that often drives costs. But patients who have depression, like keeping us from being compliant, patients who have other behavioral health disorders, such as borderline personality disorders. We also need to work with CMS and CDC to get social factors more into claims. We need to get things like unable to afford prescriptive drugs due to poverty, due to lack of insurance coverage. We also now need to get things like the patients who live so rural and so remote to care that there is no home health care because those patients we need to keep in hospitals longer. I practice, again, in a state that has a very large rural population. Some of my patients live 45 minutes from a gas station. That's the only thing in the nearest town is a gas station. Those patients, I cannot get home in-house services such as physical therapy and occupational therapy. When I've hospitalized them for certain diagnoses, I have to make sure that they are really stable, that they can survive outpatient without home care services. So these are new things that I think CMS needs to deal with. We also need to deal with you know, potentially measures of the patient's social situation. Do they have family support? Do they have competent caregivers to assist them with outpatient care? Changes will need to be made. Thank you all very much for this presentation and time.